Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Well, hello listeners and welcome again to another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States. Today we have another riveting story for you. We have here Mr. Artie Fields from St. Vincent. Sir, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you, Simone. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Very good. We're happy to have you. Can you tell us a bit about your background, sir, and what's your professional background, what you've been doing here in the United States? Okay. Well, I grew up in St. Vincent. I graduated from high school there and left it around 19, in the mid-60s. I came up to the United States to be with my mom. I'm a the first of five kids, and we are all in the United States at this point in time. When my mom, when my father died, my mom came up, and then she decided to send for each of us one at a time, and I was the first. So I came up in 1964. My primary goal at that point in time was to seek an education, really. And of course, having not been exposed to a lot of the structures and and inequalities of the United States, I was just shocked, you know, when I came up here and realized what was going on. But anyway, I, uh, I got a job with, uh, with a major telecommunications company in, in, in the country. And I've been with them. I, back, I went with them for about 28 years, from 1971 through 1998. I was pretty well uh, received there. I was successful. I worked in uh, operations personnel. I, I hired a lot of folks for them. I did marketing and billing of major systems. Ultimately, I ended up in uh, strategic planning as my last stint there. And after 27 years, I went to work for another major telecommunications company. As a, as a senior consultant, I worked with them for about three years, and I actually retired in, in 2001, I believe. And after that point, I've you know, done a few little jobs here and there, but, uh, but pretty much I was in, in retirement after that point in time. So you know, that's pretty much uh, what I did in terms of, of business. You know, got married, got, had, had a family and, you know, enjoyed a lot of uh, vacations annually. And, and of course, I'm also very involved in my church and my diocese. I'm a, I am an Episcopalian and I do a lot of work for my parish church as well as the diocese in general, the Diocese of New Jersey. So, so all of those things have kept me busy over, over the years. 
And you look so well. I'm, you've been retired for over 20 years. That's right. About 20 years. huh? <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome. That's a blessing that you've been able to enjoy your retirement this long. You know, we've come across stories of people who don't last long in retirement. That is but true. That is true. You're that doing is true. very well. That is true. That is true. Actually, since I was retired, I went back to St. Vincent, I think, once. Having been away for over, you know... 40 years or so but uh but it was good it was good it was good to be back and and it, it is good to associate with a lot of uh vincentians and west indians in general you know folks from barbados jamaica and so forth and uh, i'm sure trisha had mentioned to you that we started a card game a monthly card game among ourselves yes yes we're gonna get into that so my next question is I don't know if there's a story of how your your origin and or your family came to St. Vincent. Uh, are, did they come from other Caribbean islands, maybe other parts of Latin America? But what is that story? Or are they from St. Vincent uh, specifically? Uh, yeah, I think they were from St. Vincent. Uh, my grandparents, I believe, came from Barbados. Uh, there's a rumor that my grandmother was Irish, but I, I really don't know much about that. You know, she, she does have a light complexion for sure, but I know my grandfather was definitely from Barbados and we all, we all came up in St. Vincent. Uh, they got married in St. Vincent and, and lived there for a number of years. And, you know, uh, they had about 11 kids. Of course, my mom was one of 11 and that's the way it was. Yes, yeah, very good. So what is life like in St. Vincent? Like, for example, some fun things to do. What's the food like, culture, music? Uh-huh. Well, you know, the, the music, uh, unlike uh, Jamaica, which is reggae these days, but uh, soccer is, is the big thing down there, Calypso and soccer. Uh, the food pretty much is common across all of the islands. You know, a, a lot of... Uh, rice and peas and you know chicken and that type of thing uh our, our favorite dishes and pretty much the same kind of of culture and living you know sports and that type of thing uh is pretty much common among all of the islands there i think right the cricket is big there too cricket, yep yep cricket and soccer you know we call it football but they call it soccer here so yeah. right 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 okay do you guys have any particular like big do you guys celebrate carnival or any um, oh, yes. oh, big yes. thing that's different in St. Vincent? Yeah, carnival is big down there. I, I, I think, you know, Trinidad certainly leads us, but, but carnival is a, is a big thing in St. Vincent. Uh, we are known for our volcano. Uh, or we have an active volcano in St. Vincent. Sometimes it acts up. Uh, I think it acted up. Uh, a couple of months ago, but uh, there were no casualties there. And uh, we do have uh, a number of other areas of interest, you know, uh, waterfalls and, and that type of thing. And uh, great beaches. Great right. Beaches. Tourism. Tourism is a big, big um, yeah. Fornix um, Absolutely. earner Absolutely. for the island, right? Yeah, I yep. see a beautiful picture there, as you mentioned in the background. So yes. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous. So what did you mentioned that your mom, your mom brought over your five siblings. Is there a story behind how, why you guys chose to migrate to the United States? Well, I know uh, my mom's, uh, she had uh, three 
brothers in the United States. And uh, my father used to be a sanitary inspector in St. Vincent, uh, which was a, a good job and, uh, and that type of thing. But after he passed, he passed very young. Uh, I think he was about 41 years old when he passed. And uh, my mother's brothers in the United States decided to send for her. And she, she came up to the United States and in the 60s, I think the early 60s or so. And when she got up here, she uh, actually arranged and started sending, you know, for each of us one at a time every year or something like that. Yeah. And I was, I was the first to come up. I, you know, I came up in 1964 <clears throat> in the middle of winter, actually January. <laughs> wow. So, yep. Yep. It was, it was quite a welcome. And I, I recall having my pointed tip shoes and all that stuff. I just didn't have any winter shoes or anything of that nature, you know. So it was quite an experience. <clears throat> shopping Did stuff. you all go to New York as typical from people from the Caribbean? A lot of people go to the New York area. Yeah, well, that's where they were. We were in the Bronx at that time. You know, we, we grew up there. And while I was in the Bronx for a number of years, I went to uh, City College, graduated over there. I, I worked a little bit at Macy's in the interim. And, and even during that point in time, when I was in the Bronx, I actually went, I actually went into the service too for, for uh, about four years or so. Yeah, so a lot of things happened there. And then after I got married, I moved to New Jersey and I had a family here. Okay, very good. Did you have any specific American dream at the time? How old were you then, if you don't mind me asking, when you came in? The <laughs> were you like in yeah. your twenties or after high school? Did you have an American dream, and and how did you go about achieving that American dream? Yeah, I, I actually came up when I was twenty. I think she had to get us up here before we were twenty-one. Oh so, yes, yeah. So I, when I came up here, I was about. 20 heading into 21 and again you know like I said my my primary focus was was just getting an, an education and I had an interest in electrical engineering and that's that's what I majored in and I uh, got my degree in and so forth and then I worked I didn't work as an engineer but I worked you know as uh, as a manager and so forth for this uh, telecommunications company and I did did very good there but unfortunately, not as an engineer, you know, just as a business person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have any other specific goals in mind, except to, uh, you know, we, we often hear when, when you're in the islands, you know, America is, the, is, is filled with gold and, and that type of thing. So you came up here to better yourself and to set, you know, a good example among your, your family and things of that nature. And, and so that's what I did. I, I didn't really have a specific goal when I came up here, except to to embrace the education and, and, and go for it, you know, which, which I yeah. did. Mm -hmm. Yes. Did you have any specific challenges that you are able to probably share for our listeners who might be struggling with similar challenges that you may have had back then? Yeah, well, I was a little surprised in terms of the, the lifestyle of America at that point in time, 
You know, it, it wasn't like uh, an open, embracing uh, attitude for the people. And it seemed like you were always on your own and, and you had to resort a lot to your, to your family and, and maybe your friends. You know, when I was at work, I think I was well received. And, and some people I think were, were, were genuine, you know, they were, they were genuine friends. But then again, you still had the concern about trust, you know, how, how much should you trust them? How much did they trust you and things of that nature? But deep down, they, they give you the impression that, oh, yeah, you know, we, we welcome you and uh, we, we're looking out for you and things of that nature. Even though you didn't see too many people of, 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 of your stature there, you know, your color and, and that type of thing. So, so, so you were there. But, but I think the, the important thing was, was trying to be strong, trying to be confident and 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 being focused being focused on uh, su- succeeding and impressing you know people which 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 you have to do and that's what i would tell people to do you know try to be positive and 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 focus on succeeding and and focus on education that's that's a key and and i think if you can if you can embrace those things and succeed in, in, in your roles, then you're on your way. Right, right. Were there any particular opportunities, maybe scholarships that you came across in order to get through university? What was it like back in the 60s, 70s, attending yeah. college to get loans? Or how did you guys work that out? Yeah, yeah. We, I, I think I, I leveraged the GI loan a little bit because... Uh, while I was in the service, well, actually, before I went in the service, I, I was going to school. And I started uh, part-time, in a sense, and then I went full-time, and then I had to leave for the service and, and things of that nature. But I think uh, pretty much you had to, to pay your way. I leveraged the, the, the veterans' loans, you know, when that was available to me. But... Uh, you know, it helped a little. Helped right, but otherwise you had to cover the remainder by yourself. Yeah, right. Did you, work, did you work to pay that off while you were in school or maybe your mom helped or you paid it off after school? Yeah, I don't recall if it was a very costly endeavor in going to school. I know at the time, you know, as you were matriculated, it probably didn't cost a lot, but uh, at the times when you were going at night and walking, yeah, you had to pay for those credits. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you were working and taking classes at the same time. Was that your story as yeah, well? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the way I started out before I became a, a matriculated student. Yeah. I actually started out at nights while I worked and, you know, went, went through that process. And it, it wasn't easy because you had to work and you had to study. <laughs> right. I think that's and, the story of a lot of immigrants coming in, right? Yeah. You have yep. to help take care of the family. And so in order to better yourself and get some additional education, you you do classes and you also work and earn at the same time too, right? Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. It seems like it never ended. And even even when you work you had to bring work at home, you know, so you you're constantly 
always busy, you know, working at home on your classwork or working at home with your regular work, you know? Right, right. Mm. Wow. Mm. And you're still busy, right? Even and I'm in- still busy. Oh, yes. In fact, I, I think I'm, <laughs> sometimes I, I wonder if I'm not more busy these days, you know, in my retirement. <laughs> right, right. Well, you seem like such a happy person, you know? I mean, obviously, you're doing things that you enjoy and brings out the joy in your life and you, uh, is aligned with your belief system and so forth, right? Yes, yeah. I think, I think that, is, uh, that is a plus. Uh, I like reaching out to people. You know, uh, I mean, I have all the time in the world to do that. The people wonder, well, you know, why, 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 why do I do it? But I, I, I like reaching out to people regularly. Uh, I like participating in a, in a lot of activities. Uh, and most of the activities I participate in, whether they're book clubs or what have you, uh, involve a lot of young people. So I am, I am uh, associating with, with youth. <laughs> And in as much as I, I, I am a grandfather, I'm still competing with all these folks, these young folks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, like the welcome that you got arriving to the United States in winter and how shocking that was. Um, mm-hmm. Was there any other, uh, anything culturally or that was just different to- from life in St. Vincent versus life here in the United States that you just found was just challenging to adjust to or just shocking to you? What was, you know, what were your original sense when you first arrived? Yeah, well, you, I, I think you felt a little, uh, what should I say, disengaged. You know, the, the people, maybe they weren't as friendly and, and open uh, everybody seemed like they minded their own business. They were doing their own thing they, or they had their own, you know, societies, their own communities and things of that nature. It, it was totally different. I mean, it, it's like nobody cared about you or even were concerned about anything that happened to you for that matter. And so those were, were things you had to accept, I believe, and try and work around uh, or work with. And, you know, you, you went ahead and you built your own community. You did your own things and you, you, uh, you, you strived to achieve uh, certain things, which you, which you did. But, but generally speaking, a lot of things tend to turn you off, especially if they're very, what should I say, very reserved or, or a lot of the, the right, right-wing politicians and, and, and those kinds of things, it, it's hard to embrace those things. I, I just can't accept those things. Uh, there is not much passion or compassion. You know, I, I think you have to generate love and you have to exchange that. You have to love people and, and have them love you as well. And, you know, that type of thing. And I, you, don't, you don't experience that much, much of that here, I don't think. Right, that warmth that yeah. probably generally you get in the Caribbean, right? It's right, different. right. Mm-hmm. So do you have any advice that you would give to, you know, immigrants, you know, who may have been living here for years and are still struggling, people who are new to the United States and trying to make sense of this complex society yeah. that we live in 
I wonder what it was like. Is it how was it back then, back in the seventies, compared to what you see going on today? Well, I think uh, you know, in the sixties and the seventies, uh, you know, I, there was a lot more oppression. I believe you know there were the civil rights movements, and and there were a lot of uh, difficult treatments with uh with with uh minorities you know people are just, just oppressed and and uh and that was very vivid very vivid and now today you don't see a lot of that you know sometimes i wonder if we shouldn't have other civil right leaders because it seems like a lot of civil right leaders that we used to have in the 60s are no longer with us and at the same point in time i tend to think that people are becoming more more acceptable you know a little more liberal in their thinking and and so a lot of the equality that you in inequality that you experience in the 60s and 70s may not be uh to the same level and extent today as it were in those days you know so i think things are getting better generally speaking but but uh it's going to be still a long, 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 long time to go to really realize the kind of freedom that we anticipate. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amazing. So what advice may you have for, from your wealth of knowledge and wisdom? Yeah. Yeah. Being active and just vibrantly living here in the United States. How, how did you like create a joyful life here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would encourage people, you know, uh, when they get here to be, to be positive, uh, to be, to be confident, uh, you know, to, to have a, a goal and to work towards that goal. And I would, I would, I would say, you know, try, try to impress on people that you are just like them. You know, you, you have the same needs, the same desires. Uh, what I think is that when people get to know you, they change. And I've experienced that in, 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 in some of my communities, especially some of my uh, religious communities. You know, like I, I, I once had a, a, a person who said, well, what do they expect from us? Meaning what do the blacks expect from the whites and that type of thing. But I think after they got to know the blacks, they became, they changed. You know, in, in my case, I had a, a white family, you know, they came by with a gift. Uh, they were willing to sit down and, and chat and all of that kind of thing. And this was after they got to know you. When they don't know you, who knows what they think about you? You know, that's right. the problem. Yeah. Right. And then you find groups that live in their own little section of town. And so how do we integrate and get to know each other if we're not even we're exactly. so arm's length and distant from each other? Yep. Yep. Well, that, that's part of the problem. And I think, uh, I think we have to find ways of doing that, whether we do that through the church or through other social means, that seems to be a good solution. Because the more we can get people working together, understanding each other, you know, uh, we're going to have difficulties. And, you know, one of the things that I'm really trying to do, and again, most of the people I deal with these days 
uh, in, in, in my activities, whether it's church-related or, or, or other, are integrated people. And, and these are people, you know, after they, they know you and they work with you, they treat you nice. You know, you're like brothers. You know, you, you have uh, uh, something uh, common among yourselves and so forth. And I think we need to do a lot more of that somehow. Right. Breaking bread together, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything that you would encourage uh, immigrants or, or new residents here in the United States, you know, you know, anything that you would encourage them not to do or say? Yeah. At times it could get them in hot water or people might just misinterpret what they mean if it means something else in their home country, for example. Any thoughts with that? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, um, you, you should try not to agitate uh, people in general. I know that things that I don't like might be the same things that other people might say they don't like. You know, like I don't like when people say you people, you know, there, there's something derogatory about that. You know, you people, you people, that type of thing. Uh, I don't think I don't think that is something we should practice or encourage. Also, you know, I don't think you should denigrate anyone by calling them, uh, you know, white trash or boy or Uncle Tom. You know, try to stay away from those kinds of demeaning terms because, you know, they're not going to help you. And even if you're mad, you know, ultimately you may not be forgiven for, for those things. So, so th those are some of the things that I would, I would tend to stay away from. But be positive, be professional, and convey the appearance that, you know, your needs are just as great and just the same as the other person's needs, your needs. Right, right. Okay. Yep, yep. yep. You, so you, I know you do a lot of volunteer work with your mm -hmm. church, as you mentioned. Do you offer any, I don't know, what, what else do you do in your retirement? Are you, do you paint? Do you have any services that you provide that we could send people to your website to check you out? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. But you know, I tend to do community work as, and, and church work. I, I was on the board of the CASA. Uh, CASA is uh, Court Appointed uh, Special Advocates. You know, for people who are disadvantaged or people who 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 can't help themselves or whatever, you know, uh, the court appoint advocates and and this organization uh, known as CASA covered and uh, Somerset counties, Huntington and Warren covered uh, three counties, and I was. I was on that board for about three terms and I was actually a secretary of that board as well. So, so again, I made, you know, some contributions in that area, you know, giving back and ensuring that people in need were, were being uh, taken care of and things of that nature. All of that is good. Uh, in, in terms of, of, of the church, again, I, I help in areas like uh, I'm on a committee in the diocese now, this is beyond my parish. This is throughout the the, the parishioners uh, within the diocese of New Jersey. 
Uh, I, I serve on a committee that deals with people who are going through the process to become a priest. It's known as the Committee on the Priesthood. So that, you know, everybody who is going to be ordained at some point in time, whether a deacon or a full priest or whatever, would go through a committee of which I'm a member and we would go through a lot of questioning and, you know, evaluation and, and pastoral types of things. And I'm, I'm the secretary of that committee too. It's very involved, very demanding. So, so a, a lot of the stuff I do really is support stuff, not necessarily things that I might have people, you know, access and ask for assistance on, but, but people will come from, come to me for, you know, guidance and support and leadership and, and that type of thing. And that's, that, that's really where most of my uh, efforts are right now. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have listened to your story today and I wish you continued great health. Right? Thank you and vibrancy in your retirement. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, I hope to be, you know, as healthy as you when I get to be re retired for 10 or 20 years. That's amazing. Ah, uh, yeah, well, I, I hope to be around for another 20, but who knows, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, you, you're looking great. You're looking great, so keep up the great work. You're obviously taking care of your health and I, uh, giving back to the community fills you with joy, I can see that. Yes, yes. Well, I have uh, I have uh, five grands at this point. The, the oldest is 10. The youngest is about four. But they do keep me very busy, very, very busy. And, you know, I look forward to meeting with them quite regularly. And, and, and you know, we have that kind of family relationship there. Uh, with my siblings, you know, I have like I, I have two other sisters and two other brothers. And quite regularly, I would say almost every other night or every other day or something of that sort, we would initiate conference calls among ourselves as if we were friends, you know, and, and all of these things become habitual and they just continue. And, and that's good, good bonding, good fellowship within the family arena, you know? Right. You mentioned mm -hmm. the, the games club that Trisha had talked about. Can you tell us how, how that came about and, you know, how, Perhaps our generation could start something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's another good uh, a good uh, vehicle. Uh, I would say a number of years ago, maybe almost twenty years, ten to twenty years, we started our first card game. We we played Pedro, and there were about eleven families. I think you know members from Saint Vincent, uh, Jamaica. Barbados. The majority were, were Vincentians. Most of them were business managers. Some were doctors and things of that nature. And we were all youngsters at, in those days, you know, having young families. So, so many of us had two or three kids. And we would uh, alternate among ourselves once a month and, and have a card game. I recall actually being the person who would organize the list of, of, of families you know I, I had a schedule set up and everything else and we would go and and what happens here is that the host 
would would prepare the refreshments. It it could be a, a West Indian hot meal, hot dishes kinds of things, or or it could be finger stuff. But you know, it's something that we all look forward to as we attended these games. So the, the men played the cards, and the women uh, scrabble or whatever other games they had there, and the kids just played among themselves. And there were a lot of kids, and and there was such such a, a a fellowship among ourselves it continued for a number of years you know just rotating from home to home to home and it's something that we all looked forward to it strengthened us it bonded us and you know it, it's something that we always remember right Are, mm-hmm. do you guys still get together among the same group or well yeah, we, we still communicate, but not necessarily in the same way, not through the card uh, functions. But I mean, we still touch base with each other and things of that nature. But the cards, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure how it, how it, how it, how it stopped, <laughs> but at some point in time, it just stopped, you know. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. And younger folks didn't pick, carry it on, huh? Uh, yeah, the younger folks haven't picked up on it. They, you know, we try to... Uh, we try to influence the younger folks and we try to set an example for them. And, and as we age, you know, investments and other, other areas that, that we are dealing with right now, we say, well, look, we have to get the younger folks involved so that they can pick up, you know, when we, when we, when we can't, you know, that type right. of thing. So they, they have to understand what is going on among the families and, and our in our involvements and our commitments and, and, and the issues we're wrestling with at this point in time, you know? Right. Yeah. So how, can you explain this card game? I mean, we have so many different card games that we, <laughs> the younger folks play, but this, I've never heard about this Pedro. How do you guys, is it, I'm trying to figure out how do you, how, I've never heard of Pedro. you never heard of Pedro. Yeah. Well, you know, Pedro, it's not as, as difficult as bridge bridges is a very strategic and, and difficult game, but Pedro also is. And the, the idea with the Pedro game is to, is to protect uh, a particular card because you play, you play, you know, in partnerships. So, so you and, and your partners playing against uh, two other folks who, who, who function as partners. And I think you share, I don't know how many cards, seven or 11 cards. And you, you actually uh, come out in a suit, you know, and, and you say, okay, let's, let's play in this suit. And if you have a five in that suit, you have to protect that five. That's your Pedro. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, you know, all of your face cards, you know, starting with your ace and your king and queen and so forth. If you have all of those in the same suit, then you have a very powerful hand. But if somebody else has those and, and they capture your five, which is a Pedro, then, you know, they, they, they've won the game. So it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a stra- it's a strategic game and you have to play it in a way to protect that one card. You know, you have right. to pass it when your partner plays a high card or if your partner doesn't have the high cards in the, in the suit, then somehow you've got to trick your, your, your opponents and, and, and either pass it when, when they can't uh, kill it or protect it to the very end somehow, you know. <laughs> right. It's, it's, right. It's, 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 a, it's a good game. Yeah. 
I'm going to yeah. look into it, look into it. <laughs> something dominoes is one of the things that I know our family get together and play. The men play dominoes and the women joining sometimes, but mm-hmm. typically men. And then there's the, you know, the dice, uh, Ludi board is big yep. in, in the Jamaican culture. Do you guys play Ludi board as well? Uh, I think so. I think so. We certainly play dominoes and uh, more so than, than the dice game. Yeah. But I, I think uh, I think it's it's played, you know, it's played by Vincentians as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, wonderful. Well, I know it's been a part of your daylight and I don't want to take much more of it. <laughs> That is funny. (laughs) Right? Because you said you wake up at 12 and you have, you know, so many hours of light for the afternoon. So I would like for you to enjoy some of it. But thank you so much, Mr. Fields, Mr. Artie Fields, for sharing your immigrant American story with us today. Yes. Well, it was great uh, seeing you, Simone. You look very much like uh, what your picture indicates. And I think you're doing a wonderful service here. And I'm, I'm just glad that I was able to, to participate with you. I'm not quite sure how valuable all of this was, but it's, it certainly uh, gave me an opportunity to look back and to you know, talk a little bit about these things. Yes, yes. It was our delight to listen to your story and appreciate the, your time today, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends family, and circle of influence.